Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Praise God. I want to teach on a subject tonight um, that I think all of us need to, to know, and it's the Bible is God's Word. And I know, uh, you know, it's kind of like preaching to the choir with this group, like, oh yeah, we knew that, you know, can we go home now? No. Um, no, what I'm, what I'm saying is not everybody thinks the Bible is God's Word. You know, you'll come across people and you start talking to them about the Bible and they uh, will say, well, I don't, I don't believe, you know, I don't have confidence that that's God's Word. So how are you going to share God's word with somebody that doesn't say, that says right off the bat, you know, I don't believe that that's God's word. I believe, I've had people tell me, I believe that it was written by a bunch of people that just got together and it's just man's words and all that stuff. So, you know, instead of being taken back, instead of saying, oh my goodness, uh, this conversation's over because if I can't talk to you about the Bible, but I want to talk uh, and give us confidence and being able to share that about the Bible being God's word so that you will convince somebody to at least look into it further. Amen. Because if we can get them in a little bit further, we can see the wonderful things God has. Second Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And Second Peter 1.20 says, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of the scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but by men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So when you come across a skeptical person, when you come across somebody that uh, doesn't believe that the Bible is God's word, what are you going to do? They, they want proof from sources outside the Bible. Amen. They want proof from sources outside the Bible. And this is a fair request because, you know, there's a lot of people that they, they want to, you know, uh, they don't just want to take your word for it. They want to know that I can have confidence in the Bible like we already have confidence. Amen. So let's talk about some outside sources that can prove that the Bible is God's word, science, medicine, history, and archaeology. Praise God. So let's talk about these. These things are outside God's word. These things are sometimes even think, thought of as secular. Amen. But they will show us uh, and prove to us that God's word is true by using outside sources. So science the principle of evaporation. Let's talk about that for a second. And its effects on oceans and rivers and on the climate. So scientifically, uh, evaporation as scientifically documented, it was not documented until the early 1700s by a Swedish physicist named Nils Walrius. And, you know, evaporation occurs when water is turned, liquid water is turned to water vapor and moves up into the atmosphere. It then accumulates and becomes condensation 
and then that condensation gathers together and turns into precipitation. And precipitation is rain, sleet, and snow. So this rain, sleet, and snow that came off of the oceans uh, forms clouds and, and, and rains down or snow or sleet on dry land, amen, and on mountains uh, and where the rivers begin. The source of the rivers many times begin up in the top of the mountains or in some dry place in, inland. This process is repeated over and over again and all the rivers are constantly flowing into the oceans but the oceans do not overflow with too much water because evaporation continues happening. That is science that was, uh, that was first documented in the 1700s. But the amazing thing is the Bible declared the principle of evaporation 2,700 years before it was scientifically documented. Amen. And so when we read this verse, Ecclesiastes 1.7, rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. That wise man Solomon wrote that. Amen. A, a long time before it was ever documented by science. That gives us, we can use that as a proof to somebody so that they can have confidence in the Bible from an outside source. The book of Job, which was written 1520 B.C. or 3200 years before evaporation became documented, it says in 3627, for he makes water drops evaporate. They distill the rain into the mist and which the clouds pour out and shower abundantly on mankind. Amen. That is awesome. Now, here's another thing uh, we're going to talk about. Hipparchus uh, is considered the father of Greek astronomy. And in 129 B.C., he counted and cataloged a total of 850 stars with his naked eye. And this account of the, these stars, these 850 stars, was uh, believed to be accurate and scientifically accurate for the next 300 years. Amen. And for even longer than that. But then when Galileo invented the telescope in the 1600s, it was discovered how underestimated terribly underestimated the number of stars really were. Amen. The Hubble Space Telescope was deployed in 1990, and it gave even a greater view of the stars. And today it is believed that in our galaxy alone, which is called the Milky Way, where there are over 100 billion stars. And it's estimated that there are 2 trillion galaxies. So if every galaxy has an average of 100 billion stars, and there's 2 trillion of them, that's a whole lot of stars. That's a lot more than 850. And the Bible let us know in 590 B.C. that there were too many stars to even be able to count them. Jeremiah 33, 22. The stars of the sky cannot be counted and the sand of the seashore cannot be measured. Amen. Now in the days of Christopher Columbus, 15th century, it was believed that the earth was flat. It was considered unsafe to venture too far away from the coastal areas because the ships would actually fall off the edge and be destroyed. And some even said there were huge sea monsters right off the edge that were like gobbling them all up. This was actually believed back then. And it took brave explorers 
to go against this conventional wisdom and push the envelope and go out to the outer edges and prove that this was false. They proved that the earth was round. But the Bible let us know in 698 BC that the earth was round and spherical. Isaiah 40, 22, God is enthroned above the circle of the earth. Amen. Circle in the Hebrew refers to a spherical shape like a globe. And another misconception that goes along with this flat earth was that a flat earth was like a plate that was supported by these big pillars. Amen. And gigantic pillars. Uh, but the Bible says in 1520 B.C., Job 26, 7, he stretches out the, the north over the empty place. He hangs the earth on nothing. Amen. Praise God. How about medicine? Let's talk about medicine. For centuries, physicians practiced the treatment which was called bloodletting. Amen. For various ailments, they would... They would uh, it cut people to open up their veins and let out blood, or they would use leeches to let out blood. They would drain blood from the patients in hopes of getting rid of the bad blood or the impurities that was causing these ailments. This treatment was commonly used all the way up until the 18th century. And believe it or not, this is how our first U.S. president, George Washington, died. He got a cold that turned into what they believe was strep throat, and they, physicians drained almost half of his blood from his body, and he died at the age of 67. He was the former president at that time on December 14, 1799. But the Bible let us know in 1490 B.C. that our blood is actually vital to the life of our body. You don't take it out, you put more in. Amen. Blood transfusions is what you do. In Leviticus 17.11, for the life of the body is in its blood. Amen. How about history? Dozens of cities mentioned in the Bible have been located, positively identified by geographers, historians, and archaeologists. The Bible is the most accurate uh, history of all ages. Every detail and account is historically accurate. Amen. The account of Noah's flood in the book of Genesis Amen is not the only written record of this worldwide event. Historians have discovered similar accounts in worldwide writings of ancient civilizations. They describe the destruction of the human race by water. A boat was the only means of escape. And in most cases, they describe the reason for the flood was because of punishment for man's sins. Amen. And that wasn't the Bible. That was other uh, civilizations confirming the Genesis account. And then archaeology. The more experts search a, a dig amen, and dig up things, and they confirm the truth of the Bible. Archaeology is mostly responsible for confirming the history of the Old Testament. Abraham's hometown of the Ur of the Chaldees was discovered. The ruins of Sodom and Gomorrah have been discovered. The fallen walls of Jericho have also been discovered. Archaeologists have also found data to prove New Testament writings as well. Amen. For example, uh, all, most of the ancient cities mentioned in the book of Acts have been discovered. Amen. And knowledge and understanding that discovered these scientific disciplines, uh, one person compared it to a mountain. And, you know, way a long time ago, man didn't know any of this stuff. And then they started climbing this mountain. They, they started getting learning. They started, uh, you know, getting into these scientific disciplines. And the higher they climbed the mountain the more they, they discovered, the more they 
they found out about you know life and about the earth and about the stars and all kinds of things. The biologists, the anthropologists, the physicists, the chemists, the archaeologists began to climb this mountain, and the higher they got, the more they discovered. But the ironic thing about this journey up that mountain is when all those scientists and experts got up to the top of the mountain, the preacher was already there with his word of God saying it was written long before you guys discovered it. Amen. What a powerful thing. And one of the greatest proofs of the validity of the Bible is the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. The Bible contains some 6,000 prophecies. Thousands of them have already been fulfilled as they were given. And for example, during the life of Jesus, from the time he was born until the time he ascended up into heaven, th over 300 of those Old Testament prophecies was fulfilled. Now, we already talked about science, but let's talk about the science of statistics because there's statistical science as well. And it's ta talked about mathematical probability which is the extent to which something is likely to happen. So if we take only eight of those 300 plus prophecies that Jesus fulfilled in his life from the Old Testament, amen, the mathematical probability of only eight of them coming to pass exactly as they're written in, in the person of Jesus Christ, amen, is one to the 17th power, which is one followed by 17 zeros, or one in 100 quadrillion. I never even dealt with quadrillions before. You know, I'm, I'm I get 100 million, you know, billions. That's about as far as I go. So to give you an idea how large that number is, uh, 100 quadrillion, if you take the state of Texas, which is the biggest state on in the main uh, part of the United States, second only to Alaska, and you fill the state with two feet of silver dollars, if you could possibly do that. The entire state of Texas, two feet deep, silver dollars. And then you take one silver dollar and you put a mark on it and you throw it in there and then you have somebody like just come and rake the whole thing again. And uh, then you take one person and you blindfold that person and then you tell them you can go as far as you want and go all over the state or whatever, but you have to pick the silver dollar with the X on it with your blindfold on the first try. Because that's how probable eight of those 300 prophecies came to pass, but all 300 plus came to pass. Amen. Praise God. So we're talking about the miraculous. Amen. The Bible has proven to be history written in advance. It's like reading tomorrow's newspaper today. Amen. Now, another question people ask is how can we be sure the Bible we have today is the same one that was written in the original Greek and Hebrew way back in the day, you know? And what we have to tell the people that might ask that question, we have to tell them that God maintained a beautiful chain of custody of his word throughout the centuries and millennia. Amen. It came from God's hand to ours. The first written covenant was given to Moses. Moses was the author of the first five books of the Bible. And the law was given to Moses. It was preserved throughout the years. It was read aloud in the hearing of all the people every seven years. The scribes made sure God's word was protected and copied throughout the ages. And during the second and third centuries BC, 70 Jewish scholars assembled to take the original Hebrew scriptures, 
of the Old Testament and translate them into the Greek. And the Greek version of the Old Testament is known as a Septuagint version. And that Septuagint version, if you put it side by side with the Old Testament that you have in your Bible, whether it's King James, New King James, NIV or whatever, practically all the Old Testaments are exactly the same in all the versions of the Bible. It matches the Greek Septuagint that was written two to three centuries before Jesus was ever born. Amen. That's how confident we can be that we have the same Bible. Amen. The first book that was printed in 1488 on the newly invented movable type printing press, Gutenberg uh, invented the movable type printing press. The first book he printed was the Bible. Amen. It, and then later on uh, in 1611, the King James Version was published and was the go-to version for almost the next 300 years. And then other versions came after that. And then we find in 1947 that two shepherds looking for some lost sheep over in the Middle East, amen, they, they saw some caves up in these hills and they were kind of like throwing rocks up in these caves to see if they could hear, you know, like a little sheep uh, uh, noise or whatever to see if they need to go investigate. And they were throwing rocks and throwing rocks and then they threw some rocks and they heard like pottery break. They go, oh, that's, that's an interesting sound. It wasn't rock on rock. They went up to investigate and they found these, all these long uh, like, like pottery jars that were sealed on both ends. And the one they broke, they looked inside and there were these old scrolls. And they, they, these were the, what was called, later referred to as the Dead Sea Scrolls because that's where they were located and, and discovered. And then these shepherds wisely went and told somebody that knew something. And all these professionals and archaeologists and, and ancient uh, Jewish uh, people that knew the writings, they came and they looked and they found all kinds of copies of Old Testament writings, the incomplete book of Isaiah, and they are they matched word for word the, the word of God in the Old Testament that we have in our Bibles today. Amen. And they were over 1,900 years old, almost 1,000 years older than the oldest manuscript that they had at the time before these guys uh, uh, found these things. Amen. And the beautiful thing is, we look at Jesus in the New Testament. He quoted from all kinds of books in the Old Testament, giving validity to the Old Testament books, along with some of the other New Testament writers. And then we have the Apostle John, who was the last apostle to live of all the apostles. He lived almost to, to be 100 years old. Amen. And when the New Testament was being put together and decided on uh, which books should be in the New Testament, and that's it, the 27 books, John was there to put his seal of approval. And remember, John was a, the closest one to Jesus. John had a revelation of the love of God and, and who Jesus was. And so if anybody uh, we could trust to know what the New Testament would, should be, it was John. Amen. So I close with these verses. Psalms 119, 151. All your commandments are true. Psalm 119, 160. The entirety of your word is true. John 17, 17. Jesus said, your word is true. And Psalm 117, 2. The truth of the Lord endures forever. Amen. So these are some, some things that you can tell people, you know, and, and uh, uh, 
you could go back and listen on uh, the podcast or on the on the website if you wanted to go uh, write down some of these scriptures and some of these thoughts or whatever. Uh, they they are good to help and 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 hopefully uh, if somebody is intellectually honest and they if you could share these things with them, they'll say you know what, God's word is powerful, and that's why I believe with beyond a shadow of doubt we can have confidence in the Bible, not just containing the word of God, but that the Bible is the word of God is in its entirety. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast and may God bless you.